Hey everybody, if you listen to the Great Light Podcast, I have a favor to ask of you. Would you go and leave us a review? That's a great way that you can help us to get the podcast out in front of more people. For whatever reason, when we get more positive reviews on the podcast, it encourages the podcast platforms to put out our content in front of more people. So that would be a great help if you could just take a a couple minutes, leave a review, um, let us know what you think. It's always helpful and encouraging for me as well to see what you're being helped by, what content you're you're learning from and, and things like that. So again, if you could do us a big favor, take a couple minutes, leave a review, and I would very much appreciate it. You are listening to the Great Light Podcast. This podcast is a production of Great Light Studios. For more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook or YouTube. If you would like to support the ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so easily and securely through our website. There, you can also find both video and audio versions of the podcast. My main issue, and I have a couple of videos, I think you probably watched one of them that's titled like my main issue with, with Calvinism. And that, that really boils down to Ephesians chapter one. Um, and, and my, really, I think my, my biggest passion for even talking about this began to come out of a place where I was, I was kind of digging in, learning about this concept that I think is so often neglected and, and, you know, being having been in the church my whole life for 30 years, this concept of union with Christ, this phrase of being in him that is repeated over and over and over. It's like, depending on the translation, uh, I think in Ephesians 1, it's like 10 or 11 times this concept of in Christ, in him. And so I think overall in the church, it seems to be somewhat of a neglected topic that's hugely significant and important. But I think what I found that ultimately convinced me that Calvinism is, is not true was, was not necessarily focusing on Calvinism itself and trying to figure out what was right or wrong. It wasn't even focusing on these concepts of predestination, election. It was focusing on this concept of in Christ, of union with Christ, of what, what does it mean to be in him? When do we come to be in Christ? How do we come to be in Christ? What what do we have before we're in Christ and when we get into him? And so so this all that to say, this is a hugely important chapter to me. And I think this chapter that happens to be one of the go-to places for Calvinists to prove their their doctrines, I see this as one of the clearest passages of scripture that makes Calvinism impossible. That and so Obviously, you disagree with that, and and I know again you've taken some time to listen to some of the things I've I've taught on this chapter, but um, so maybe before we we jump in, share share some thoughts. What are your thoughts about all that that I just kind of spewed out, and 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 kind of your take uh, on whatever content you've watched uh, that I've done already on this topic on this Ephesians chapter one. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I guess I'll take some time to just kind of clarify your position and, and things that I will uh, 
disagree with. <laughs> yeah. But um, so so would you? I, I I did. I watched. So I watched that. Um, my main issue with Calvinism video, and then I watched a a little bit of the the one in which you you talk about how uh, on on Apologia Radio. Yeah. They they responded to that question, and so would you say? Um, so I, I have the passage pulled up here. Um, so yeah, Ephesians one, three, um, mm-hmm. blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Uh, would, would you say that, uh, and I, and I think I heard you say this in, in one of the videos, uh, are, are there any spiritual blessings that can be found outside of Christ? Um, and this, this is going to come down to, you know, <laughs> nitty gritty terminology, obviously, but, but I would say yes and no. Um, God has, you know, God makes his rain fall upon the righteous and the unrighteous on the grateful and the ungrateful. And so there's that aspect. I think if you want to call that spiritual blessing, but in the context of what Ephesians one's talking about, I think the terminology I would, I use, and I don't, I haven't heard anybody else use it, but I just, I feel like it works is to say that I don't think there's any spiritual blessings in the sense of like aspects of reconciliation with, with the father there, there's, there's nothing we have, like there's no spiritual blessing again in this, in the sense of like redemptive, redemptive in nature. Like there's this, this, uh, closing of the gap in our relationship with God. Like it's elements of, of reconciliation, which again, I think, um, Ephesians one, the spiritual blessings here are referring to um, is these elements uh, that come with a reconciled relationship with God, and so in that sense, I don't think, um, yeah, I think that's that's spiritual blessings that not that are not found or not located anywhere except for in Christ. But there are, you know, there's, I, I guess the Calvinists would what would they call it like a. Um, Maybe common grace. Common common grace, yeah. So so I th- I think there's some legitimacy to that. Obviously, again, the passage I just talked about, God causes His rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Mm-hmm. But there, it's not um, it's not something they don't possess this anything with the Father. Like there's no aspect of reconciliation or re- redemption that that. Mm-hmm. Um, is involved in those spiritual blessings, if you want to call them that. So, okay, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it it does. Um, so, uh, another question. I think this was brought up in the video uh, with Apologia responding. Um, this idea of being chosen. Uh, would you say that? Would you say that that uh, means that you are reconciled or, or um, made right at, at that moment of, of choosing? Uh, would, yeah. would you say that all of the if, the if 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 you were to say that people were chosen before the foundation of the world, that that means they were reconciled before the foundation of the world? Like, is is that kind of the the idea <laughs> well, you're coming well, against? Well, I think when well, yeah, I think when I follow. Like again, John Piper, his teachings about it. I think the the common when you think of Calvinism and what you know the core popular loudest Calvinists would teach. I think to me it does convey this sense of this mysterious 
re- reconciliation that is happening with the Father hmm. while yet outside of Christ. So John Piper will literally say things like, you know, we were chosen by the Father. We belong to him. He'll, he'll use that terminology and say, we belonged. I, I have a couple of videos on that specific quote from John Piper, actually. He says, says we belonged before we believe. So basically, since birth, using a one of the most popular Calvinist's own words, mm-hmm. we were born belonging to the Father. And mm-hmm. so to me... That's hugely problematic. And I connect that to the Calvinist interpretation of who who the sheep are in John, what, because again, the sheep are those who Jesus says they belong to me. Like these are my sheep. But I think about, you know, if you go back to Romans 8 real quick, I'll show you just, there's a couple examples of this, but one reason why I, I just have a trouble with that. Um, let me find this real quick. So yeah, so it'd be verse nine where it says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Mm -hmm. And so again, to me, when I hear uh, the popular Calvinist, at least, it sounds like if you were to speak about these things, it would probably be be different. I'd probably have a different perception uh, of what you're saying, and it might not warrant the Ephesians 1 videos I've done. But what John Piper says, it does to me conveys this, this aspect of there's this mysterious reconciliation sort of like God says, this person is mine. They belong to me while mm-hmm. this person is is not yet in Christ. Um, and so I don't know if that answers your question. And I think that would probably raise the question that we haven't necessarily got onto of, of when do we come yeah. to be in Christ? Mm-hmm. which is obviously a big part of, of this whole conversation as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, perfect. So uh, this, this idea of belonging, I think, uh, I wish, I wish we could ask John Piper how he wants to define belonging because yeah. if, if it is this sense of, of reconciliation that um, not only have their sins been atoned for, but the fact that they've been brought near to God, that they have uh, um, had uh had had a, a uh, Christ's record as opposed to as opposed to their own sinful record applied to them from from birth or even from eternity. Uh, I don't. I, I want to believe that that wouldn't be where he would fall. Um, yeah. Well, I don't think but, he could. He couldn't word it that way. But yeah, I, it does uh, seem like the implications go in that direction. Mm-hmm. But so. Uh, this idea of being chosen, uh, I guess I'll, I'll I'll get a little bit into into my view on it. Uh, or my distinctions with this idea of belonging. Uh, I would say that we are chosen, and uh, in, in I'll just reference verse 5 of Ephesians 1. Uh, it says that uh, he, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, um, according to the purpose of his will. And so this, this idea of sonship um, we, we can kind of equivocate that with, with salvation. Um, all, all who are saved are sons. Uh, I know that in Romans 9 it talks about it's not the children of the flesh who are, are sons of God, but those who are the children of promise. And so right. um, salvation uh, is, is, I would say, only actuated, is only brought about once we are made sons, uh, once, once we are adopted. And so this idea that we are chosen. I'm sorry, sorry can you say that, that phrase once more? 
Mm -hmm. I missed the first part of it. I feel like that was important. Um, this, uh, sorry. Uh, we, we are chosen for adoption. And so we are are not, uh, we are not saved until we, we are adopted until this, uh, until this adoption happens and we are made sons. And at that point we are saved. Um, Okay. I don't, I, don't forget the, I don't remember the exact words I said previously, but so uh, that's, you, that's the idea there. And so, would you maybe no? Go ahead, go ahead. Finish okay. your thought. Um, and so, so this this thing that we are chosen, uh, this idea of being chosen in Him, um, we are chosen that we should be holy and blameless before Him. And I would say that this idea of, of choice is that God would adopt us into this family at some point. Not that we are a part of the family but that we will be. Um, and so that's, that's the distinction. I, so I you're, make. you're, you're drawing that from verse four. Is that right? Uh, four Versus, and five. Yeah. Even as he chose us in him. So then I guess my question would be, what do you do with that? That what I see as a condition, mm-hmm. there's a condition put on the choice there, the, the, mm-hmm. the definition on a person of being chosen that's conditioned on this person presently, like already being in him. Like mm-hmm. this, this, this person being chosen, the, that spiritual blessing, which again, I think it is. This, is. this is, Paul starts out Ephesians 1 saying, every spiritual blessing is in Christ, even as he chose us in him. And so I think he's saying, this is, this is one of the spiritual blessings that is in Christ. And what it is, is being chosen. So how do you connect that what you just said to this aspect of being in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, when I, when I watched your video, I, I, I remember you had this idea of like a circle of like in Christ is, is within the circle outside of Christ is obviously not in the circle. And so uh, this, this idea of a spiritual location being what, what in Christ or in him means. Right. And uh, I would, Which I, I would, I, I use that loosely. Sorry, I keep cutting you. I use that loosely. Like, I don't think there's a literal. Yeah. That's more just an analog, analogy sort of uh, mm-hmm. language that I, but I keep cutting you off. Sorry. I just want no, to make good. sure that I don't think there's a literal spiritual, yeah. like Jesus is an actual location. I yeah, think people not, have misunderstood me in the past about that. So I just, I okay. want to be clear about that. I think it's, yeah, I, th- I think your, uh, your idea of spiritual location is is almost similar to, um, Paul in Ephesians two, where he says that we have been um, seated with Christ yes, in the heavenly right. places. Uh, obviously, exactly. we are not literally sitting in in heaven next to Christ. Yeah. So so yeah. Uh, so this this idea of a uh, metaphorical spiritual location, uh, I, I think that in Christ doesn't always mean that. Uh, I think this is an instance in which uh, being in Christ uh, rather means. Uh, maybe through Christ or, or because of Christ. Um, and so uh, a part of that is, is um, actually second Timothy one, eight and nine. Uh, it talks about how uh, we should not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, uh, nor of me, Paul, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Um, so the, the intuition that I get from, from this passage is that this, this idea of salvation is coming through Christ. Uh, this, 
this, uh, this thing that he is giving us is uh, this salvation being called uh, is, is yes, it's something that is, it's, it's through Christ rather than something that comes uh, when we're in the spiritual location of Christ. So, so I would, I would differ uh, rather than spiritual location, um, the, the means by which. So okay. uh, I, you could say through so, Christ. <laughs> so I think the obvious reason I would initially like immediately have a, a, a problem, take issue with that is because in order to do that, you're having to literally change the word in Christ to through Christ. And there's specific times when I think e- even later on in Ephesians where Paul will use the word through, mm-hmm. but he does that for a specific purpose. And I think there's a specific reason he will use the terminology of in Christ. Um, and so I think, I think I would have a hard time like f- figuring out um, how, or, or just seeing, seeing that he's trying to convey like, like it's because of what Christ has done that you have this. It, it, I think what he's drawing from, in, in my mind at least, would be more like Romans uh, six, I think it is, where he talks about this this idea of being baptized. So let me pull this up real quick. So, aren't you aware that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus? All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. And then if you back up actually to verse two, it says, how can we who died to sin live in it any longer? And so, I think Ephesians one, when he's talking about in Christ, he's he's using that same idea. He's talking about this aspect, this this concept of the fact that as believers, when we place our faith in God, we are baptized into Christ. I think an easy way of saying that is, is it's as if we are now identified with Jesus. We are. Mm-hmm. It, it's a union. It's a spiritual union. It's this this marriage type of relational aspect where I, I think a, another good, great analogy would be the the vine and the branches. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So it's this connection. I think this concept of being in him involves a a spiritual connection that we have, like uh, whatever you want to word it. You know, sometimes when I'm speaking about this, it sounds, uh, probably sounds like new agey or something. I don't know, but it's, it's like, if you want to just speak about it in simple terms of a relationship, like you were once alienated, separated from him, but to be in Christ means that now you have been joined to him and not only joined to him, but now you get the identity of Jesus. Like basically Jesus's ID, his resume is now put on you, which is why in Romans six, he can say, you have died. We haven't died, but Jesus has died. And in him, we are now identified with Jesus's death and resurrection. But again, to me, I think Paul's, Paul is, I think, pretty clearly speaking of this aspect of, of a connection to the Son of God that has happened. When he when he speaks of being um, in Him over and over again, I think I think he's speaking about this this baptism. We have been joined to Christ, um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I, I, I guess I feel like to to word it in ter- the terms that you're using of, of it's because of what He's done. To me, that entirely misses the significance of what's going on here. 
Well, I, I think that um, if if we look at the rest of this passage, I, I know that in, yep. in the first video you, you highlighted each time it says in him, in the beloved, in Christ. Uh, if we look at, uh, you know, even, even verse 6, um, it says that, uh, yeah, so it's talking about adoption. To, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Right. Um, so that seems uh, that would that would seem as though this um, this blessing is coming through the beloved. Uh, or would you say that's also um, a blessing to to people who are in the spiritual location? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this whole chapter is is pretty clearly Paul is speaking to a specific audience and he's addressing mm-hmm. this. He's he's describing a specific audience and that audience is those who are in Christ. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think here it's, again, this is pretty clear that this, he starts out again. I think it's, it's, it can't be passed over that it's God, God has blessed us. The father has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, which I think includes again, after he says that it's as if he goes and starts to list the specific spiritual mm-hmm. blessings that we get in as much as we are presently in Christ. Again, Paul, it seems like, is going to lengths to repeat this phrase in Christ over and over again to make sure, I would say what he's doing is he's demolishing a man-centered ideology. He's saying this this has nothing to do with you. Everything that you have before God is in Christ. It's because you have become connected to to the son of God that you are now identified as a son of God yourself. It's because you have become connected to the chosen one, the one who is chosen, um, the elect one. You know, there's passages in Isaiah that talk about the Messiah being the God's chosen and elect one. So again, I, I would say, um, yes, I would, <laughs> I would, I would have a hard time again changing the wording up when it says he has blessed us in the beloved to through the beloved. Because I think if Paul wanted to say through or something other than in, he would have. Okay. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is the fact that in is not always used as a location or a, um, uh, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, location is the easiest way to put that. Um, let's word it in terms of like a a joining, like a relationship. Cause I think that makes, that maybe makes more sense. Like union with, to me, to be in Christ just means that you have, you become one with them Mm -hmm. in the same way. I'm now one with my wife. We are, the two have become one. We have become one flesh with Christ through faith. And so I think we can even stop using the location terminology Okay. I feel like that's a helpful way to think about it sometimes, but I would speak about in terms of this yeah, being so joined to Christ. Union. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, I guess then in, in that case, uh, this, this in is not, is not always union. Um, in, in verse nine, he says that uh, this is according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Um, so this, in Christ here, it seems to be uh, used uh, rather as um, like a sense of the the medium by which it's it's coming, or or the uh, the means, in a sense. So this this purpose is is achieved 
because it's coming through in by the means of Christ. Um, so he didn't set this forth in union with Christ. Uh, I think that this this yeah. instance is uh, a little bit different. I kind of I kind of see what you're saying. Um, I see why you're. I see where you're going with that. Um, but I think what what I would say to that is is this is still Paul's making efforts to, to make sure that we know that this purpose, is which which I I would just say that he's he's saying the same thing over and over again. It, it basically, what I what I'd say in simple terms is he's just conveying this idea that, all that God has to offer all reconciliation, anything, any element uh, of redemption or reconciliation, all of that plan, God has decided, he has determined that all of it will be entirely and completely connected to his son. Like every, everything God has to give to humanity is absolutely, entirely, unequivocally connected to Jesus, including yeah, I, the very- I agree the very, that it's connected, yeah. Right, and it's only it only comes in as much as one is connected to to Jesus, um, and and that includes the the purpose God put. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot to that. To what what does it mean that his his purpose, which he set forth in Christ? Um, yeah, I, I I just I I guess I I kind of see what you're saying, but I feel like Ephesians one is still in my mind at least completely wrapped around this idea of, of a being a presently connected to Christ. And so I guess like when so, you see, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, this idea of, of a present connection, um, I, I know that you're definitely opposed to this idea that we are saved from all of eternity or, or belonging in that sense. Um, so, so if, if this, Cho- chosenness, this choosing, is something that only right. happens once we are in Christ presently, uh, as soon as we are saved and, and following, then then why does he say before the foundation of the world? Uh, how how yeah, does that relate? A, because that's uh, a great you know, question. Obviously, we, we weren't in Christ before the foundation of the world. Right. Great question. So, and I'm glad you asked that because that takes us back to Romans 6. So let me ask you this. Romans 6, 2, he says, certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Um, and then if we go to uh, Galatians Galatians 2.20, I won't pull it up, but he says, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Um, there's places, I think it's Ephesians or Colossians, that will, well, it's Colossians 2, back to the, the verse we referenced before, where he'll say like, uh, if you have died with Christ, why as though you are still living in the world? So think, so basically my question to you to respond to your question to me would be when, when did we die with Christ? Like I, when were, were you, have you been crucified? Like I haven't been crucified. Um, and so, so I, I've never, I wasn't, you and I were not literally crucified with Christ. Mm-hmm. But what is what is Romans six trying to tell us? I think it's trying to tell us that because we have been connected to the, we have come into union with the one who was crucified, with the righteous one, his identity has been transferred freely to me. And so in Ephesians one, when it says God has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, 
I would see this as, as being a very, very similar concept as uh, to where, again, God's laser focused on Jesus. God mm -hmm. has, I think ultimately God has chosen one person. God's ultimate choice came down to one person and that is his son, Jesus. Yeah. And so, so again, yes, we weren't literally chosen before the foundation of the world, but just in the same way we weren't literally crucified 2000 years ago around 30 AD, but Jesus was. And because I've come into union with him, because I've been become connected to the one who was both crucified 2000 years ago and the one who was chosen before the foundations of the world, I, I get Jesus's identity. God no longer looks at me, like, like my past, my present and my future, Jordan Hatfield's past, present and future, has God has wiped it off the table. Like mm -hmm. nothing that I am in myself, God is no longer relating to that. He's only relating to Christ's past, present and future. It's as if he's put all of Christ, this eternal, this eternal person, Jesus, he's put his identity on me. So I'm sorry, that's a really long-winded way, but I, I feel like I have no trouble with that passage in Ephesians 1 because I think it's the same idea that Paul, um, which would seem confusing in Romans 6, but it's, it's, I think it's the same kind of idea. We were past tense crucified with Christ and we were past tense chosen in him. But again, I think all of this has to be taken in light of the fact that he's talking to people who are already in a connection with Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so does that make sense at all? Yeah, yeah. It's, I guess maybe, a, would, would you say that the before the foundation of the world is referring to Christ in a sense? Uh, I think, I think, again, before the foundation of the world, like he, Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So again, going back to the verse you just referenced, the eternal purpose of God mm -hmm. from, again, I think this all involves God's foreknowledge. God has always known, I think, from my perspective, the free will choices that man will make. And so God has always determined that he will win. But he, he's ultimately, he, he's sovereign. I think he allows free decisions, but he, um, He's like the ultimate chess player that even though his opponent might be good at chess, God knows, and this person is making free will decisions to move the, the, the chess pieces wherever he will. God's so good at chess, he's gonna win. I'm kind of stealing this analogy from Leighton Flowers, but I think it's a good one. I think in the same way, God has always known that Jesus is going to, his plan in Christ will come to fruition. It will be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, so that, that knowledge aspect, I, I won't get into that right now. It would take far too long. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would have some distinctions there. But yeah, I guess this idea. So in Romans six, uh, you know, I know you've you've compared it a few times here. In, in verse five, he says, um, "We we've been united with him in a death like his, and we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his." And so he he makes it clear that it. It is metaphorical that it is something that's it's not it, we, we haven't literally died we haven't literally been crucified um, and so th this this idea of it, it not being a, a literal concept is is specifically elaborated in Romans 6 but I, I don't see in Ephesians where that is specifically elaborated upon 
So I guess what I, I would ask is, um, so in verse 20, mm-hmm. again, so one of the descriptors again, is he talks about how we are, um, well, this is talking about Jesus, but you, you referenced it earlier. We are seated mm-hmm. with him. Uh, and yeah. I know it's right in front of my face right now, but I don't it's see it. Ephesians 2 is where he talks about seated. Ephesians 2, 6. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me go there. So even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, so again, I think when, when Paul's using this, this terminology of in Christ Jesus, um, I would have a hard time making like like putting what Romans six is referring to as something different than this. I think I think there's obviously a lot of metaphorical language being used all throughout Ephesians. I think one, two, um, but but my my point again is is this this idea that all of this being seated in Christ, being chosen in Christ. Um, I think it's just there's really no way of getting around that all of this is conditioned on this this phrase here in him being true of whoever it is that these blessings are being um, given to. And, and so that was a confusing way of saying it. Basically, if you're chosen, that's that's conditional on being in him. I can't think of any place in the Bible that would say that God chose us to be in Christ. Does that make sense? So there's nowhere in the Bible that says God chose us, you know, before the foundation of the world that we would eventually come to be in Christ. Rather, every time it talks about, as far as as far as I can think of, um, I, I think when it talks about this this sort of election or being chosen. Um, it's always in connection to being in him. You just referenced the first Timothy verse where all of those blessings that Paul's talking about, this purpose and grace, it was given to us in Christ. And so I guess two things. One, I would, I think it's important and we keep, I've kind of keep passing over it. I think it's important to follow out verse four and look at what it is exactly that this is saying we were chosen for. And, and I think it, it's often, <laughs> it seems like it's often not really taken for what it says because it, there's nothing in here that says we were chosen to be saved or we were chosen to become um, reconciled with God. We were chosen to become sons. Uh, it says that we we were chosen to be holy and blameless before him. Does that make well, sense? In, in verse 5, it says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. Right, but I, I would say that's that's not that's a different idea like he, he's describing a separate thing than what he's saying in verse four when he talks about ch- chosen in him. So there's, because he's not so saying he we, chose so us. Even if we don't use this idea of, of choice, um, you know, if, if verse, verse five says that we are predestined for adoption to himself. Uh, so this, this yeah. adoption was, was destined to happen before it, it did happen. So, right. so God knew and had the plan to bring us to himself before we were in Christ. Well, I, w- I would stop you there and say, but who, who is it that Paul's defining or defining as predestined? 
the, the people who are being described here as predestined, are they those who are outside of Christ? Aren't, aren't they in Christ? And he's describing the condition of those people who are already in Christ. Does that make sense? So yeah, he's so not the, saying the, before you are in Christ, you are predestined. Of, the, the experience of having been predestined, uh, the, the actualization of that, the realization in, in our sense is, is, is far different from uh, God's understanding of this idea. So, so God, you know, I, I would say that God is, um, you know, he, he's not constrained by time in the same way that we are. And so his understanding of, of our spiritual state, uh, he, he sees that in the present time, um, you know, someone who's not currently saved is, is still under judgment if they were to die. But he, of course, knows that they will continue to live. And at the moment they do come to Christ, at the moment that they are reconciled, then they, um, they, they are actually saved. They, they have been adopted. But he says that yeah. the, this adoption that we are predestined for, it, 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 is, it is predestined. It came before the actual adoption itself. And so, yes, this only applies to people who are saved. But it was true of us before we were saved. And I think that's, that's probably where the, the biggest disagreement there would come because, um, again, like I, I can't get around the fact that this, this phrase is repeated mm-hmm. over, over and over, this concept of in him. And here mm-hmm. where, where he says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, this, this all is contained. This, again, this is a spiritual blessing mm-hmm. that is entirely contingent, dependent on whether or not you are presently in Christ. So you'd say you were not predestined for adoption to himself before you were in Christ. Yes, I think I would say that. I would say that in as much as you are a person who is, if you, if you are in Christ, in other words, if you are joined to Christ, then you are predestined. And so I'd say like to, to maybe make it more clear, are we counted righteous before we are in Christ? Well, I think, of course not. Um, how could God call us, r- look at us and say, you are righteous until we are first joined to the righteous one? And so my, con- my confusion with Calvinism is, is like that, that element of forgiveness of sins, righteousness, it's listed, it, it continues to be listed further on in Ephesians 1 mm-hmm. it, as if it, it's in the same category of spiritual blessings as being predestined. And so, so in the same way, I, I was not righteous. Um, I had not been crucified with Christ. I had not been buried with him until I was joined to him. And in the same way that Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches abide in me apart from me. You can do nothing. I think this, that, that metaphor perfectly fits into what we're talking about. Because again, I think it, it's not until we were grafted into the vine, which is Christ, we didn't have anything. We had no spiritual blessing, um, including this, this aspect of being chosen or predestined. All these things, again, that I think are, are aspects of reconciliation with the Father. I don't think we had any element of reconciliation until we became 
connected to the vine, which is Christ. Yeah, um, I, and I, yeah. So that, that aspect, you, you, this, this idea of aspects of reconciliation, I don't believe that chosenness is, uh, is reconciliation. And I don't think that, um, I, I don't think that most Calvinists would, would say that, uh, to be chosen is to be, to be presently chosen is to be presently reconciled. So there, there are people, of course, in the world right now, at this very moment, that are not saved, but I would say that are chosen. And so, so this so idea. So let me of, ask of you this: Are those people that you just referred to, though, are they in Christ right now? Not yet. So how, if Ephesians one is telling us that being chosen is in Christ, then how are these people that are not yet chosen, or not yet, sorry, not yet in Christ, chosen? Uh, yeah, again, so I would say it's that they were chose, he chose us in Christ for the foundation of the world. So this, this idea of in Christ is, uh, we are chosen either to be in Christ or through Christ. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's what I would right. say about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that makes sense. And, and I, we can, we can, um, try to wrap, I again, I don't want to hold you too long, too long. Oh, no, um, I've, I've got plenty of time. Okay, I mean, I I could go for hours on this, obviously, but and I I don't I don't want to push you too much, but I what I would say to that again is is that I think um, represents I think one one of the reasons I have great issue with Calvinism and how they deal with this text, and, and um, because what you just said again the the way you're interpreting this and and putting again putting this spiritual blessing of chosen, applying that again, just as you said, to people who are not yet saved, or as you you just said, not yet in Christ, mm-hmm. but yet they're chosen, that requires you to then change the wording here where it says he chose us in him to be, um, to say he chose us to be in him, or he chose us through him. So it's almost like the wording, <laughs> the wording here seems to, um, demand that that this interpretation that there is a lost person right now now who is currently chosen this seems to fly in the face of it so clearly that you almost have to change the wording to to make it fit does that does that make sense i i'm not trying to like jump on you or anything i just i I just feel like this this is one of my pet pet peeves honestly with yeah with the way i've seen calvinists interpret this in the past and, and I'm passionate about it because I think it just misses the significance of what Paul's trying to get across when he's talking about in him. Mm-hmm. And so how, I guess, how, how does that work? Cause you're, again, you had to change the wording of in him to, to be in him. I would just say that th- it doesn't say that it doesn't say that though. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, it, in a similar sense, it, it also says, you know, he chose us in him. He d- it doesn't say he chose us who are in him. Uh, so well, yeah, and I'm not I'm not a Greek scholar by any sense, yeah. and, and when it, no, I, but I, I, I would yeah. Ultimately, go ahead. I think it comes down to the just um, the fact that you know in it, it doesn't always refer to a, a union with a spiritual location. Uh, these these sorts of things, uh, it, it in has multiple definitions, and so I, yeah. I'm not necessarily changing the words i'm just not using the the single definition of 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 uh, as we've delineated in this conversation of union with okay 
Um, Rather so, as a means by which, or a, a medium by which. Yeah. Right, which, which, I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree with, with using it uh, or, or speaking about it in terms of like a, the means. I think Christ is the means. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I guess so, so here it says in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So it almost seems like this, the way he's using this phrase in him here, you would have to say it means something different than what he means here. Does that make sense? Um, because No, I because, mean, I could, I could still be consistent in that because uh, he has blessed us through Christ with every spiritual blessing or by the means of Christ with every spiritual blessing in the same way in, in verse 7. Through through the means of Christ, we have redemption. Uh, so so I, I, could, I but, could still be consistent in that way. But doesn't this in him de- demand that there is a present relationship? Like there is a connection to Christ that is happening here. There's there's the reconciliation or the the faith has been put in Christ to where the one who has redemption and forgiveness has been joined to Jesus. Um, has been made one with them. The, yes. So that this this idea of of union, yes, is 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 tied in with this verse. So the redemption I, is being b- brought back into that union, but in him, I, I would say doesn't necessarily mean union. So I would. Agree so what, with the what do you think it does mean? So I guess like when you say through, yeah. He chose us. So, so with without Christ, we wouldn't have these things. Um, Christ, uh, maybe in a in a loose sense, is is the instrument by which we we have these things. Uh, okay. So so yeah, in in Christ uh, could could refer to uh, through Him. I mean, yeah, like in also in in verse ten of this same passage uh, as a plan for the fullness of time. To, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So obviously all things are not united currently, right? Um, you know, honestly, I, I have not looked into that, that specific verse enough to even have an opinion about what he's trying to convey there. So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I would answer. Yeah. I, yeah, I honestly, yeah. I don't know. I don't have like a grasp of what I think he's trying to convey when he says all things to unite all things in him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so I'm yeah, not sure if I, I w- yeah. 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 So I, I won't, I won't push you too much on that then, but I, I would say that um, the, the only union, the only, the only time unite here is used is, is a, a future thing that will happen. that hasn't happened yet. Um, so it, yeah, it, it is a plan for the fullness of time yeah. to do a thing, which is uniting. Yeah. So I, I guess what, what I would, again, going back to verse seven, and, and, and as far as the predestined, there's, there's so many things here that I, I mm-hmm. want to go on rabbit trails and I'm just holding mm-hmm. myself back. But as, as far as de- describing and, and explaining what I think is going on in verse five, when he talks about being predestined for adoption to himself as sons, I, I think we need to go to Romans eight to define what that is, and I think when we go to when we would go to Romans eight and see that, I think we would see that it it doesn't involve like a 
before you were saved, God chose you to become a son. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with that. But but I, I don't want to go, maybe or maybe, or maybe not, we'll have uh, time to look at that. I just, I, I want to maybe get a little bit more clarity. Again, verse mm-hmm. 7, so again, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. You would say that the that that element of forgiveness of our trespasses and redemption, these are things that only are available, that that only those who are presently connected to Jesus. And, and again, you use whatever terminology you want. I, I mm. use I, I don't know if people even know what I'm saying, but but I if you want to use the word relationship, if you want to use the word um, you know, in him, <laughs> uh, joined to him, union with him, made one with him. I think I think that's just a simple, basic uh, Christianity 101 of what happens when we receive the gospel is that we are mm-hmm. brought into this intimate relationship with Christ. Like in Romans 7, Paul says we died, you know, we died to the law. We've been joined to Jesus. So, so uh, the, my question, what I'm, what I'm asking you is, you would say that these elements of redemption, having being redeemed and being forgiven of our trespasses is, would you say, is that dependent on being joined to Christ? Uh, I would say that they are only experienced in, in, in our lives. Uh, they, they are only actuated or applied to us once we are, once we are saved, once we have faith. And, yeah. uh, if you don't mind, I, I, I'm actually this. This really relates to my, my view of limited atonement because I, mm-hmm. I hold to what's called hypothetical universalism. It's it's a certain kind of hypothetical universalism that's based on contingency of faith, and so uh, I believe. I like that, where you're going with this. <laughs> I, I I believe that Christ died for the sins of all yeah. people. That he he atoned for them, but that that uh, that salvation that redemption that reconciliation union is only applied once the contingency of faith has been met in that person yeah, right uh, interesting i, I yeah. believe that only and god can give that. that faith so god is the one actuating the the uh, fulfillment of the contingency but okay uh, i think that people who are not calvinists can also agree with that same idea uh, so yeah it this this idea of of contingency of being in Christ uh, is yeah so the, these these things this atonement the payment the reconciliation is all contingent upon your uh, the 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 item of faith in in your life and so being joined to him I think I think if we use yeah. would you agree that the the analogy of the vine and the branches is a good way of thinking about all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're grafted in when mm-hmm. when we have when, once we have faith. Once I would say God gives us faith. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like that, I, we were, yeah, we were not a part right. of that that vine. Yeah, connected to it. Yeah. Yes. Right. So before before we were connected to the vine, we were not redeemed. We were not forgiven mm-hmm. of our trespasses. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I I totally agree with that. And, yeah. and the way you you worded the. Um, I can't even remember how you said it, but sorry, but, yeah, I, yeah it's, there's a lot of jargon, but uh, no, yeah, no, it was good. Hypothetical yeah. universalism, um, yeah, contingency upon faith, and and that's not the, hypothetical universalism. That's probably different than what some people are calling hopeful 
hopeful universalism. Is that, hmm. have you um, heard of that? I, I haven't heard it used, but I can okay. get an idea of it, what it is. I, I, I'm getting the, I'm getting the feeling that <laughs> what you're saying is different than that. So we won't go, go there. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, so with that, I guess my question from that, what I was, what I was hoping to, to get at is just a little bit more clarity about why, why here the in him, it seems to me very clearly being a condition that is being met in order for these people to have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, the riches of his grace. I guess I should I mean, ask you, why, why is that so clear to you? Why is what so clear? Uh, you, you said it's it's clear that that in him is a contingency, uh, is is the the uh, prerequisite for those things. Why, why is that? Um, what, what's your intuition there? Why why is it clear to you? Well, I would say because that's what he's telling us. I mean, I mean, why why is he using? Why is he over and over saying this is in Christ? You have this in Christ. You have this. In, you've been forgiven in Him. You've been seated with Christ in him you've been predestined in the beloved like I don't I don't think this is just a fancy like you know tag on that he's putting here he's like this is this is the condition that these people are in I mean he starts out if you look in verse one Mm -hmm. the people he's addressing he says to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus so he's describing Mm -hmm. and talking to people who are meeting this certain condition being that they are presently in Christ. They are defined as people who are in Christ, which again, I think is just baptism. It's this idea of being baptized in Christ. These are people who are now identified with Christ. Um, So why couldn't any of this apply to people who are not currently in present union with Christ? I think because of what you just said, because they're not in Christ. <laughs> they they have not well, been like grabbed. What in the, what, I guess what in the passage leads you to believe that it's exclusive to people who are currently in union with Christ? Well, I I feel like that that question kind of answers itself because I feel like the passage is just, again, it's just, it's telling us that, isn't it? I mean, why, why is he saying in Christ over and over again? He's, and, and again, I'm not... I'm not a Greek scholar and I might be wrong on this, but I would guess if you dig into the wording here, I, I bet the terminology being used even has within it ideas of like a present and active state. Uh, I don't know yeah. that. I could be co- totally wrong, but I, I would, yeah. I would if guess anybody, that it, if anybody does, I hope they, I hope they let us know. <laughs> yes. And so my question is, is why, why, why wouldn't we, like the, to me, I think the question is is pretty obvious. Like this is, again, he's addressing people that are in Christ, and over and over again, he's saying, "This is what you have in Him." So, it seems like the question almost answers it, itself as to why um, I, I would view it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so, so definitionally, um, are you familiar with Blue Letter Bible? Um, I've heard. It's a wonderful. I've heard of it. I don't, yeah, it's a it's a great it exactly. resource. Um, they you can you can go in and, and see what these Greek words yeah. mean. And so well, that's what I, that's what I need. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Blue Letter Bible, um, it's it's a great one. And so the it actually has also where this word is translated to to what English word. 
so so yeah i i guess i'll just i'll just read it off um but the 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 root word etymology is uh stated as a primary preposition denoting um, fixed position in place time or state and by implication instrumentality medially or constructively um and then the the outline of biblical usages in by with with or etc uh, and it, it is translated uh as in 1902 times by 163 with 140 among 117 at 113 on 62 through 39 times and uh, some other various translations but uh, so it, it definitely can mean either either one of these ideas that I think we're we're both uh, putting forth here of a uh, the the more primitive uh, spiritual location meaning union with Christ uh, or uh, the the means by which something is achieved and so uh, yeah this <laughs> it, it really uh, doesn't lead us a whole lot in into a, a direct answer but I think rather. Um, could could affirm either one and so uh i think probably yeah. the the um <clears throat> the perhaps the biggest reason i would take issue with that again is because it seems like it requires that the phrase in him is changed throughout the passage to mean different things um for instance, the again going back to in your mind the redemption and the, forgi- the forgiveness of sins, these things are only applied to those who are presently mm-hmm. joined, connected to the vine. Um, I think let's go down the list a little bit. So verse um, eleven it says, "In him we have obtained an inheritance." So I, I would I would I would assume you would say that the unbeliever who is presently not believing doesn't have an inheritance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would so, agree. So, um, you know, I, I, so what, one more real quick, and then I'll ask the question. So verse 13 in him, you also in him again, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation and believed in him, when you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. So, so again, so again, I think obviously you'd say the unbeliever who is not yet in Christ has not been sealed with the Holy Spirit. So it just seem, seems like there's so many places here where it's like, well, yeah, these things are only can only be applied. They're they're being conditioned on these people already being in Christ, but you know, being chosen and predestined, being chosen to be holy and blameless. Um, again, which, which is what Ephesians 4 says they were chosen for. I think that's incredibly important. Um, you would apply that to an unbeliever who is not yet in Christ. And I guess I, I, there's two things I'm really struggling with. One is to see how your consistency there or, mm-hmm. or how it is that you would make a distinction when Paul is using the same terminology of in him, in the beloved, to describe the condition in which these people are in. And so how is it that you're making that distinction? And then secondly, I think just just the overall concept of what it means to be in Christ, like what what is Paul even getting at? What does it mean that we are in him? Why, why is he emphasizing this over and over again, not only here, but all throughout the New Testament? And I guess what I 
I, f I feel like my second issue is just that it seems like the concept of what it even means to be in him, to be in union with Christ, just is incredibly fuzzy to me. Like it, it almost seems like it becomes like a fancy tag on that's like, we don't really know what this means. Hmm. It's just, it's, you know, it's because Jesus, but so I don't, I guess those would be my two, two things that I feel like I come, come away with consistently when Calvinists deal with Ephesians 1. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, um, the idea of, of this being in Christ, I would say, yes, that if it's referring to a person, if a person is in Christ, then that does mean that they are, are reconciled, that they have come into union with Christ. Um, like, like he says in, in verse one, to the saints in Ephesus who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ, mm -hmm. um, that I, I could use it the other way, but I, I, I could grant that. And then, um, this, this idea of these, these things, uh, in Christ. So this, this chosenness is in Christ. It's not, it's not the person who's, who's referred to as in Christ. It's, it's the chosenness. So he, he chose us in him rather mm -hmm. than he chose us who are in him. Um, and, and just going down through, um, according to the purpose of his will, uh, which he has blessed us in the beloved. Um, so this, this blessing is the thing that is in or through the beloved rather than us right. who are in the beloved. Right. Um, and, uh, I, 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 yeah, I think that this, this same word is used many times to, to say that uh, of people, uh, union with Christ, but in, in these senses, uh, I actually, um, in, in the blue letter Bible, there's, there's a, a option. It's, it's the, uh, I think it's the Strong's. This is the, the Thayer's Greek lexicon. Okay. Um, uh, so I have in, that in the, actually. So let me pull oh, it up. Perfect. Which yeah, verse? So I hope we're looking at the same thing. So Thayer's Greek lexicon, um, the verse Ephesians 1, 3. Is that what you're looking so, for? There's, yep. So this is the entire entry for the Thayer's Greek lexicon. And so if we find the, the place where it references Ephesians 1, 3, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's under this, uh, it's under D. So number five used of that with which a person is surrounded, equipped, furnished, assisted, or acts. Uh, and then that's A, B, C, D. Um, uh, and in D specifically, it says with or by means of by through go ahead and, and follow through with um yeah what your so, point is so yeah yeah I, this at least these these people who made thayers um they decided for whatever reason of their greek knowledge to say that ephesians 1 3 in mm -hmm. talking about people who are uh blessed in christ with every spiritual blessing are uh, this this in christ is uh in talking about by the means of Right, than, which I don't, I don't disagree with that definition. By the way, like I don't, yeah, I, I feel yeah, like that I, I would fits just say pretty that, well. Go ahead. Yeah, I would just say that that um, continues on in, in this passage. That, mm -hmm. that these these in Christ's are not specifically about the union, but are are rather about the the means by which a thing is achieved. And I believe that if this thing has been achieved in you, you the, there is a contingency of union. But the, the text itself, I think, is saying that uh, these things are 
achieved by Christ rather than uh, if you have these things or, or if these things apply to you, you are presently united with Christ. Does that, are you tracking with me? I, 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 I am, I think to an extent and I, and I don't necessarily disagree with, with some of what you're saying because I don't mm-hmm. disagree with using the terminology of, you know, we were chosen by means of Christ. Um, but I guess, again, my question comes down to, uh, I, I feel like Ephesians 1 to me, again, is, is, is falling right in line with, with and, I, and I would guess most commentators would agree with this concept, again, that I brought up from Romans 6, of this is speaking of a baptism into Christ. Um, and, and this is something I, 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 maybe we can both go away and look at into what, what is meant by this, this, this in him terminology that, that to me is pretty clearly, and, and I get why you're asking me why it's so clear. Um, and so I, I, I sympathize with that, but, but to me, it is pretty clear in my mind, the way I'm, I perceive what Paul is trying to get across that, that it's the same as Ephesians or Romans six It's just speaking about this baptism, this, this identification with Jesus. Um, it's, 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 it is this, it's, I think it's Paul describing in detail what it means to be grafted into the vine. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if he's taking that analogy right. and like going into great detail to describe it and to say, um, you know, if you are in him, if you've been grafted, if you are a branch that has connected to Jesus, then the fruit of that, what, what's going to come into you through the vine by means of the vine I don't have, again, I don't have any problem with any of that terminology. I think it, it, it um, complements what I'm trying to say. Um, it, but it all comes in as much as there is a present connection to Christ. And I think, I, to me, that's the clear implications of Ephesians 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I still have trouble with, there's so many things in here that I think, as, as you've acknowledged, it'd be very difficult to apply some of these spiritual blessings, I think, that are being described to someone who is not presently connected to Christ. And so what is the basis to distinguish between, um, you know, believers can have um, the blessings of, of chosenness or predestination while they're not connected to Christ, mm-hmm. but they can't have inheritance. They can't have redemption. They can't have forgiveness of sins unless they are presently joined to Christ. And so I guess that distinction, I guess I'm having trouble seeing the basis for it if we're just looking at this passage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I get that, like this, this, this concept of union with Christ, of in him, like, like mm-hmm. it's, these are sort of deep truths to an extent, but, yeah. but I do, um, yeah, I think it's significant. I think it's important, and I think that um, yeah, I, I think it's important that we know why it is that Paul makes great effort over and over to connect everything that he's saying, all these definitions, all these blessings, over and over. He's making sure to always say these are these are in in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so I looked up um, where. So in Romans six, uh, one of the verses, uh, it it has this same in used, uh, mm-hmm. and it the the definition there is engrafted as it were in Christ, in fellowship and union with Christ with the Lord. 
And so uh, this this idea that you're talking about, uh, that, that sounds pretty spot on with, mm-hmm. with what, what you're saying. And so uh, I... <laughs> I guess I'll just have to chalk it up to somebody who who might know a little bit more about Greek than I do, um, <laughs> but it it does talk about this as in uh, a, a different state, a, a means by which, as opposed to this uh, ingraftedness, this fellowship and union. Um, so, so are you saying that's the same word as in Ephesians, or or the wording in Romans is a different? Uh, the the word. Is is the same in that? Okay. Okay, I see. So it does it does imply a, uh, an idea of fellowship or mm-hmm. yeah. So I think I think like with all of that, um, that 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 again is why I made the video saying my main issue with Calvinism yeah. because I think I think and, and and this isn't just Calvinist but I feel like this is the church it's. Um, this this idea of that that's being described there, baptism into Christ. It's like this is the basis of Christian life. This is the that's the basis of what it means to have victory over sin. This is the basis of what it means to of how we have the the provision and the supply to obey the commands of God. Is that we have? To, I think we have to understand that we have been baptized into Christ come into fellowship with him and we are now identified with his identity. And so, yeah, it, it is just a little bit bewildering to me why this concept is not more adequately looked at, unpacked, and and especially in this conversation about Calvinism, why is it not taken into more consideration? And I think to me, what this you know, I think Calvinists have a genuine and good, respect, respectable desire to remove man from the equation and to make this not about man. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like when I look at this, it seems like they have, again, a genuine attempt, but what they've done in that attempt is they've almost displaced a cent- the centrality of Christ in this idea of election and in doing so, made it man-centered. And, and why I say that is because I do not believe the Father chose me specifically, like, in and of myself. I think I am chosen only, only because I have become connected to the chosen one. And now God looks at me through Jesus. And so to me, when I hear Calvinists say the Father chose a certain group of elect people, Mm-hmm. That to me screams like a man sinner. <laughs> to me, that's man sinner. It's like, mm-hmm. no, God didn't choose any specific individual. He chose Jesus. And in as much as you are connected to Jesus, you are chosen. And so, um, sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of going going on a spiel there, mm-hmm. but I just I, mm-hmm. I feel like this this is a, a big deal that I think needs to begin to be taken mm-hmm. into more account in this conversation between Calvinists yeah. and non-Calvinists. And I think it's often incredibly neglected and i just i don't i literally don't understand why um yeah 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 i i agree um i guess yeah to briefly summarize we i think we got off into the weeds a bit but (laughs) yeah uh yeah i guess just the point at which we really disagree is is what in means is whether it's by the means of or whether it's uh in union with yep Um, and so uh 
for yeah. anyone who might be listening, I guess. That's a good summarization of that. Yes. <laughs> yep. Figure out which which one you think it might be. Um, I think yep. we've both given good reason for for both ideas. <laughs> yep. And uh, ultimately, until we become Greek scholars, I don't know if <laughs> yes. we'll be able to have any more yeah. <laughs> in depth yeah. conversation on that one. But yeah, uh, no, but yeah, I, I, I think you did a great job at at explaining and backing up your position and and yeah, and challenging well. me to look into these things more to look into the wording. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I do agree that this is something that needs to be talked about, um, and that these things, uh, this. So that was that was the entire reason. You know, part of it was was a similar motivation of why I even commented on that post in the first place mm-hmm. is to to help people think about what they believe yeah. and why they believe it. Yeah. Because I think enough people, uh, you know, there's there's people who blindly accept things that are told to them uh, when it just comes to to who Christ is. Um, in, in salvation. And I think they can believe it and that they can be saved. But I think in the same way, people can also listen to popular Calvinists or, or popular traditionalists, such yeah. as Leighton Flowers or things like <laughs> right. that. Uh, and, and, and they can just adopt that without really having uh, a, a, um, a process by which they, they begin to understand why those things are uh, asserted. And so, yes. so yeah, I think, right. I think it's always a helpful discussion to challenge one another and uh, provoke one another to, to think about why we believe what we believe. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And, and you have definitely given me th- things to do that. I feel like um, the first, the first point we covered, I kind of ended on <laughs> a, a, I held up a white flag a little bit on the Romans eight point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's something I want to go and, and look into a little bit more and, and yeah. kind of have a better grasp of, you know, cause like you said, those who are in the flesh, and, and if if I think for me to be consistent, I have to look. You know, I would wonder when it says in the flesh, uh, kind of the point you are getting at. Mm-hmm. It seems like there there's a, a parallel going on here, like in the flesh or in Christ. So so all that to say, I think you've you've given me some things to think about with that, and and even with this Ephesians uh, one discussion, um, and so yeah, absolutely, yeah, and, and to be honest, like. The videos I make about Calvinism, my concern with it, the 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 brand of Calvin, whatever you want to call it, the type of Calvinism that I'm mm-hmm. getting from you, I feel a lot less concerned with. You know, I I feel like we agree on many things, and, and there's mm-hmm. there are some confusing, somewhat spiritual concepts what that we're digging into here with this mm-hmm. union with Christ and in him that that I it makes sense that we would have differing opinions and I do not in any way want to act as if like I've got this all figured out and and why is everybody so stupid like there's so much in here that hmm. I don't oh, know yeah. I don't understand and I'm going to yeah. probably have to adjust on but um but and that's that's really encouraging yeah. to hear as well cuz I know uh on on Instagram and behind the screen it, it can get fairly uh, yes, it's it's a it's a different world, and um, I know at one point, not to not to call you out, but lovingly, uh, you, at one point I think you said uh, there's there's not really any more nuance to it. I, <laughs> I, yeah. was, I, I when I said you know I think there's there might be some more nuance to this. Um, yes, right. I, it's it's encouraging to hear that um, maybe maybe you have found a bit more of of the nuance in these things, and uh, that uh, you know and and. Uh, this is a, something I hold to as well is that, you know, I, I might be wrong and I'm okay with yes. that. Yeah. Um, but, 
as long as we have reasons to believe what we believe, if, if it is the, the best explanation we can come to, I, I think that that is uh, doing our due diligence there. So Absolutely. It's, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, my dad always uses the verse in 1 Corinthians where Paul says, if, if anybody thinks that he knows something, he knows nothing as he ought to. And like, that's uh, something that I think every person who has a YouTube channel like me, who's calling out other, other Christians and things needs to like take a good healthy dose of that every morning of that mm-hmm. verse. Um, but, but yeah, um, I think, I think this has been a, a very good, helpful conversation and, and I really absolutely a- appreciate your humility. And I think, again, I think you did a good job at, at explaining and defending your perspective, even though both of us have things to figure out. Um, of yeah, really appreciate yeah, and I'd love to your talk perspective further on or off of the podcast about more of these things yeah yeah that'd be great and and if anyone else would would like to interact with my beliefs um, i'd I'd love for them to contact me yeah i can can put whatever you know if you're open to having your email if you have an email you want to be public i can put contact information whatever in the the description um, of the video so yep and thank you so much for having me on it's been uh it, it has also been an edifying time for me as well, and I hope that people, anyone who's listening, uh, got something from it. You have been listening to The Great Light Podcast. To find more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to support this program and partner with the Ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so through our website. There you can also find both video and audio versions of this podcast.